Welcome back to the My Online Schooling podcast, the place where we talk to staff, parents and pupils to find out more about life at the online school. In this episode, we speak to Sam Palmer, geography teacher at My Online Schooling. Sam elaborates on his eureka moments in teaching, what a typical day looks like for him as a geography teacher and how the school has developed since the day he joined. But we're also going to find out where in the world Sam would like to visit one day. I wonder if you can guess where he might like to go. So come with me and listen in on this conversation with Sam Palmer. Sam, thank you for being here and welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thank you for for having me to chat today. It's been quite a busy day, actually, just uh, preparing material for for tomorrow. I I kick off first thing with our our year eight geography group who are currently studying natural hazards. Okay. Which is, which is a firm favourite among among all of our year groups, actually. <laughs> uh, what sort of things are included in natural hazards then? I mean, we, we start talking about the, the structure of the earth, plate tectonics, uh, volcanoes, earthquakes, tsunamis, risk mitigation. So we, we try to touch on because it's, it's a double it's a double unit. So we try to touch on everything mm. uh, that, that is actually helpful up at year ten when they get into the GCSEs. And I guess as well that some of the pupils that you're teaching are from parts of the world where tsunamis are, are not an uncommon thing, where volcanoes are nearby as well, that kind of thing. Is that right? Yes, we have students from over 17 different countries, 17 different countries, sorry. So in some cases, they've, they've experienced firsthand or, or know of natural hazards locally. Hmm. And you know, education, as we know, has a very big role to play in mitigation, yeah, mitigation of, of natural hazards. And vulnerability mm. and risk so it's always always a popular unit natural hazards mm. so i'm just i'm just going to jump in with a quick question on that straight away if you don't mind do you find that that is a better learning experience for the students in the class given that they're able to hear firsthand from someone who's experienced some of these things that they're learning about in theory whenever you have a first-hand experience um it, it's always going to be a, a more enriched learning experience Student, mm. students general, because they're hearing first-hand experiences. We mm. we show a video based on on a Japanese earthquake in which the guy's walking through the park and you can see the land around him is is waving, is is like a wave rippling oh, yeah. through through the land, and mm. that is often gives better impact because it's a first-hand witness to count mm. than than something that we can we can show uh, from YouTube. Um, or, or another source, the fact that, that he's holding the camera and he's talking about feeling queasy um, and how he felt sick as the earthquake passed underneath him. It's always oh, going to really? be a stronger learning experience. Mm. Students mm. take a lot more away from that interaction than they do from me talking or, or from just watching a generic video. Okay, well, we're going to come on to geography in a few minutes, but I've been really looking forward to this episode, Sam, to hear from another teacher point of view what life is like at the school. But before we do that, could you take us through a quick summary of your own education, uh, sort of where you grew up and what your first job was after you left school yourself? I grew up in Somerset, um, Mm -hmm. in the southwest of England. I went to to a local comprehensive school locally and I didn't really have an interest in geography, particularly at school. Um, It was very, very boring, if you like, because it was it just seemed to be talking about about maps and, and colouring and, and all those things that, that <laughs> yeah. people think geography is. Yeah. And it wasn't until I when I left school I, I got a job um, working at Cheddar Caves as a tourist guide. 
Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Spending a lot of time in the cave. And from the tour guiding, I then progressed on to cave leading. And mm -hmm. so I was actually taking people caving. And as they asked questions about the cave, so I would find out information to assist with the interpretation. Mm -hmm. And that's that's where the love for geography was, was really born. And then, of course, I went okay. on to, to university here locally as well. Mm -hmm. When I finished university, I, I moved to Spain, okay. where I was lucky enough to kind of study semi-arid environments as well, semi-arid river systems. And well, in Spain, I was I was teaching English as a foreign language and geography as well. And then I took a position with my own schooling and it, it kind of all took off from there, really. The passion was born while working in, in the caves, for sure. Mm -hmm. OK, so what led you to teaching then in an online schooling environment? That's a very good question. I mean, it was the challenge, I think. The challenge of, of taking a lesson that works, that you know works perfectly in in a mainstream or physical setting and working out how that lesson would work in an online setting where you don't necessarily have the peer-to-peer -peer interaction, you don't necessarily be able to see the student's face to, mm. to see whether they've understood or they've digested. And it's, it's the challenge of being an online teacher as opposed to, to a mainstream physical teacher. So how did you combat that challenge in that case? There, there tend to be two ways of, of doing this. I mean, we you can either, if you have to give a worksheet, you, you give the worksheet as a group activity mm -hmm. so that we, we all feedback answers, we all deal with the problem at the same time. Um, and then you take answers from, from the students. Or you, you send out a worksheet which then returned within the same lesson period. And mm -hmm. you, you go through an evaluation process with, with that worksheet. So there's, there's the two, there's two strategies that I, that I use depending on, on the material. I prefer the group approach because everybody gets to, to have their say, everybody gets to, to tell me their point of view. And that's another big difference, I think, between some mainstream schools and, and, and us is that we, we welcome students to really tell us what they think mm -hmm. we have time to, to, to kind of take their feedback and take their, their their opinions on subjects interesting can you give me an example of how that's been useful and beneficial to an individual student in in one of your classes yeah i mean it kind of goes back to, to basic teaching theory where we we use a process of, of scaffolding so in in theory everybody knows something about the subject that we're talking that, oh, okay you know, it's very uncommon to, to not know something hmm. for example if we're talking about natural hazards then then everybody's heard or come across or heard or knows of it through the news that natural hazards occur and they occur in, in different parts parts of, of, of the earth hmm. and it's it's just it's taking what they what they know and in some cases either kind of just changing that knowledge or updating that knowledge, giving the student the tools that they need to, to then build and construct on that base, that foundation themselves. So mm, they mm. almost come to the realization themselves. We call it the eureka moment when the idea just snaps into the child's, uh, the child's head. I had an example uh, last week with one of my year 10 classes where we were talking about why we position a type of industry where we position it 
it's called a, a footloose industry. And we, we tend to find these footloose industries on the outskirts of cities, on the outskirts of the urban areas. Mm-hmm. I'm talking way to, to the class and she, she suddenly writes in the chat box, I understand this now. I, I haven't understood why we place this industry there, but now it's all kind of just fallen into place for me. Mm. And I get it. And that's, that's one of those moments, one of those eureka moments for us, where the student has used past knowledge um, of urban structures mm-hmm. and built upon those, those past, that past knowledge to arrive to, to a new conclusion. So how does that make you feel as a teacher, when you witness a child experiencing one of those eureka moments, that's why we get into teaching. I think hmm. is because it all that point where where the road is clear. You know, they're making sense of the material themselves. Um, you know, we we tend to have students that, that that do question the information that they receive, and that's fantastic because it it produces very independent, very independently led students, but. Occasionally, it's almost like they're missing a tile and they just need that little bit of extra information or they need to discover that little bit of extra information themselves and they're away. And it, it's just, yeah, it's, it's one of those moments and the, the adrenaline starts to rush and, hmm. you know, you get, you get more and more excited and you start talking a little bit fast, perhaps, and you kind of just have to pinch yourself and say, okay, that was one step. Let's, let's reach the next one now. Let's, let's push that that knowledge outwards more let's stretch that a little bit more mm-hmm. so it's constantly it's constantly climbing the mountain but it's, it's well worth it sam talk me through a typical day as a teacher at my online schooling if you don't mind and also if you could highlight any differences in a typical day that you experience compared to any previous experiences in teaching in a bricks and mortar kind of traditional school yeah i mean we i, I tend to i have a very compressed timetable so it, the days are incredibly busy which which is suits me suits me down to the ground because it we're, we're so used to or our students are so used to having fast information that we do need to kind of deliver lessons at a, maybe a faster than normal pace for them but they you know it's, it's not beyond their capability but a a typical day I I do the preparation the night before not always I check the preparation is done and then. And then we'll, we'll, we'll log into class. And of course, one of the, the major differences is that the children rotate around us rather than us rotating around a room or around a group mm. of students. We take a second, maybe two or three minutes of each class to find out how the students are, to connect with the students, to find out about their weekend or mm-hmm. what they did the night before. The conversation mostly goes to gaming because that's an interest that, that I have and I, I share with a lot of students. And then we'll, we'll deliver the lesson. Normally, I deliver all my secondary lessons in a block and then mm-hmm. lunch. And then I have my, my upper stage lessons followed by my lower stage lessons in the afternoons. It's, it's a fast-paced day, but I, I quite enjoy once you start, you just, you just go on through. And it's, it's fun and it's, it's exciting as well. And is this your first position teaching at an online school? Yes. So tell me a little bit about how your teaching at an online school, like my online schooling, differs from your time teaching when you were in Spain. I build connections better with the children online, oddly enough. Interesting. Yeah, okay. they, a lot of our students choose not to put their cameras on. A lot of our mm-hmm. students choose not to speak on the microphone. 
and that's absolutely fine. We, we would never, I never push a student. I never make a requirement for the student. And it, it's like when, when I can't see your face, you're more likely to, to, to open up in a way because you feel mm. protected, you feel safe. We also, we, we strip away all the stresses of, of school buses and school run and, and the, the busyness of, of their days. We, we strip that away as well. So we, we can build the, the connection stronger with them, which allows us to assess them better because we, we very quickly understand what, what the student is kind of capable of mm. in terms of their, mm. their academic performance. And we, we, get to know them as, we get to know them as well, very well. Better than I than I ever could in the, in the mainstream classroom, I think. Gosh, that's interesting, yeah, isn't it? Is, it is mm. interesting. So tell me a little bit more about pupil engagement in class, how you get the pupils to open up. You just mentioned about them opening up. How do you go about doing that in a typical geography lesson? Geography is, is an interesting subject that there are... The, the general health feeling I have is that if you, if you talk about something that interests the student, Mm-hmm. that at some point that student will get involved in the conversation mm. and once they've made that step of involvement they tend not to go back to the inquire students they tend to, to kind of broken that, that barrier so initially in, in that three or two or three minutes of chat at the beginning it, it could be something to do with, with gaming or if we're talking geography then it, it, it could be normally things around climate change or sustainability are very good it, it increasing student engagement because again it's something that we all have opinions about it's something that is in the news currently i have that that dramatic flair where i, where I tell the students that, that it's down to them now mm. we, we've made the mess and now it's down to, to them they are in as 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 has been reported in the media they're in a fight for survival and it's just that little flair of, of dramatic nature that, that helps them to to, to involve themselves in conversation um, help involve themselves in, in what's going on in the classroom I also speak ask questions directly to the students as well so if I know for example that the student is very strong on climate change then I will direct the question to them so that they can have their say and like I said it, it tends to snowball from there we, something will interest the student enough to open up their microphone or to turn the camera on we have a lot of interaction through the chat box as well Okay. Which, which is a very important part of, of what we do because students don't need to put themselves out there. They can use the, the chat box or the microphone. That's a little added layer of security for them as well, I think. So do you find then that students may put something in a chat box that they may well otherwise not feel comfortable about saying on a microphone? Definitely, definitely. I mean, I, I, I also teach personal social health education. In those settings, when we're talking about, um, when we're talking about how the human body works, for example, the preferred method for the student then is to talk on on the chat and they mm. can they can put messages out to me that in some cases i can only see that the rest of the student students in the class can't and it, I see. it's a nice way to kind of share what they're thinking without without attempting or, or risking in their mind negative feedback from other students mm. we have an incredibly supportive school community which is based on difference and the fact that, that we are all different and, and it's that that difference especially from a geographical point of view that difference that that makes the school work that difference is celebrated within us so yeah students will use the chat box to put across opinions and 
they know that that, that opinion will be included in the lesson from our point of view. And it, it gives them that extra layer of security, especially when, when students have had a history of anxiety or, or school refusal, that mm. they're not going to be singled out or picked on for what they want to say. Sam, in your time of working at My Online Schooling, how have you seen the school develop and change since day one until now? Day one, it, it did have a kind of a Wild West feeling about it. We were, we were all kind of... Uh, teaching from, um, from, from, from different strands and, and different material. And we, we've certainly become more coordinated. We, mm -hmm. we work closely together. The faculties now work much closer together. And we plan collaboratively between us as well, so we can hit the curriculum from multiple angles. Mm. So I work very closely with, with the English department um, and the science department as well. Okay. That, that allows us to kind of lay in the material to make sure that, that we we tried to all kind of hit that material at the same time which in in the case of science and geography we we take it from different angles because geography is sometimes about the human where science can sometimes be it's always about the, the physical as well and it, that in itself gives a better position for the students well a better idea for the students we we started off very very specialist as well with children who had struggled at secondary school, mm -hmm. students who were looking for the last attempt, in some cases, to stay in education. Uh, mm -hmm. my, my first GCSE student just couldn't go to school. No matter how hard his parents tried, he, he would not go to school. And I was teaching him for a whole year, and he, he, he left, he took away a really, really good grade. And then later on, of course, with, with COVID, it's almost like we've gone more mainstream. We've gone away from being a specialist provision and becoming a, a mainstream provision. And that's fantastic because we've seen student numbers increase. We've seen uh, new teachers coming into the school as well to, of to course. foster the, the mm. current the current team to, to keep up with demand. There's job opportunities created in, in Edinburgh as well, which is where, where my own schooling is, is based. And we're, we're giving back as well to the community in general. Sam, I've asked you various questions about the school and about your teaching uh, at the school, but I'd love to ask just a couple of questions about yourself, actually. What would you say is the best thing about being a teacher working at My Online Schooling from your own point of view? It's meeting people from all over the world, those those 70 countries, Gosh, yeah. because they all have uh, they all have different, different ideas. For example, we've just passed Ramadan and explaining the, the basis of Ramadan to, to students who, who don't live in the Middle East, for example, mm. or aren't Middle Eastern students, for example, is, is a fantastic way of sharing culture. And when we share culture, we, we, we gain an understanding of each other. Yeah. And that then deals with, with problems around or, or gender equality and, and, um, and you know, all the things that, that we can tackle in the future because we understand how we work as a group together. It's, it's that, and it's also learning from them as well, whether it's, it's learning the, the, latest, the latest piece of slang that's being used in, in the games, chat rooms or whatever. <laughs> it, mm -hmm. We are constantly learning from the students and learning about their culture, as in youth culture or teen culture. Um, mm. And it, it keeps you feeling very, very young. I mean, I'm, I'm not old, but it, yeah, we feel very close to the students because of that because we have this this crossover. That's great to hear. Then lastly, ignoring COVID, tell me three countries you've never been to, but you would like to visit one day. 
um, my students speak speak very fondly of, of Dubai, for example. Okay. And I would quite like to, to see Dubai. I think it's okay. It's, so Dubai is number one. It's, 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 yeah, yeah, the, the city itself, whatever. Canada. I have a student who lives in Africa, but he was born in Canada. Okay. And Canada has to be one as well, and Africa too. We have okay. a fair few students from the continent. And which part of Africa would you choose? Yeah, it would be probably South Africa, just to see South penguins. Africa. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So we'll go for Dubai, we'll go for Canada, we'll go for South Africa. Bit of a mix there, sorry, but yeah. Ah, of... <laughs> I like that. That's good. That is good. Sam, we need to bring this to a close in a moment, but for anyone who's heard anything and might have a follow-up question, what's the best way for them to get in touch with the school? We have a live chat function on our website, which uh, students are, or anybody's welcome to use. And I mean, uh, I, I assume that our, our marketing department or our administration departments can be contacted through the website as well. Okay. Um, we used to have all of our teacher bios on the website too, so people can, can read up a little bit more Oh, that about, sounds fun. About the teaching staff as well. Great place to find out more about the teachers. Exactly. The website is the first place. Well, look, thank you so much for being here with us today and, and for being so willing to open up and share your own experience of working at My Online Schooling. Thank you for your time, Sam. No, thank you very much for, for your time. So that was Sam Palmer, geography teacher at My Online Schooling, talking about his experience of working there. Thank you, Sam, for coming on to this episode of the podcast. Now, don't forget, you can always get in touch with the school by searching My Online Schooling. But also, if you haven't followed this channel yet, then now's the time to do so. Because then when each episode is released, you'll just receive a small notification to let you know that it's available. So go and do that now. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye for now.